Well, greetings and happy Easter from the virtual pulpit. And actually, if I'm being honest, it's a real pulpit. It's just a virtually empty sanctuary this morning. And I look forward to the time when we can gather again on Sunday mornings, as this congregation has done for the for almost 40 years now. In fact, it'll be uh, 40 years next month to be exact. But in these times of social distancing and forgoing gatherings in the interest of public health, I want to say thank you for joining us, for joining us especially in this way. It is so very important that we stay connected to each other and certainly important that we stay connected to God. As a part of Jesus' global church of believers, now that's a general term, we're not starting a new denomination here, but as Jesus' followers, we are called to encourage and support everyone as we all navigate life in this world. And at Golden Beach Community Church, we offer an online Bible study and discussion every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. And in lieu of our regular Sunday morning worship services, we are presenting an online experience which you're sharing this morning with me. If you're interested in only the message portion of the service, uh, they continue to be available as the Golden Beach Podcast, and that is the title. So search your favorite provider of, uh, of podcast, and just simply search for the term Golden Beach Podcast, or search for it in your web browser, and it should populate as well, or send a message to me, and I'd be happy to send you a link. Again, this church exists to provide support, encouragement, and guidance for anyone and everyone. If we can ever do anything for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our website is www.bthird.org. Our contact information as well as general information and updates are available on this website. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a three-part series titled Absolutely Worth It. Part one will be in regard to God's promises Jesus' sacrifice and the new covenant, and he says, you are absolutely worth it. Part two of the series will be in regard to our response to God's promises and Jesus' sacrifice as we say in response that our surrender to Jesus and to God is absolutely worth it. And part three will be a look at the return on investment, the, the blessings to both God and the blessings to you, And I'll give you a hint and tell you that we're going to take a look at the parable of the talents as we realize that the investment that we make and the investment that God makes in us is absolutely worth it. But today is Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter. This week we are talking about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that you are blessed by what you are about to hear. There are three words that changed everything. And you may guess what I'm about to say that they are, but I, before I share the answer, we need to pay homage to some of the other three-word statements of importance. As we gathered in the sanctuary together this morning, um, if we had been able to gather this morning in the sanctuary, I would ask you to shout them out. And perhaps some answers would have been, I love you, right? And when I asked Sherry to participate, um, that's what she came up, and I was so relieved to hear that was her first answer. And the words, I love you, those three words together certainly make an impact, don't they? They do change things. And on the opposite is, I hate you. And that one makes quite an impact as well in a negative way. What about I am loved? This is the self-actualization of our value, and it's very important. And for the moms that are listening this morning, these three word statements, eat your vegetables, 
How about this advice? Say thank you or hold the door. And that's advice. That's not the commandment you make as you're running for the elevator. We are to hold the door for each other. My mother still to this day will uh, expect me to do so, rightfully so. What about around the table, past the salt or, or, or past the ranch, which is really popular in our house. And, and that's just a little bit of a hint to uh, this Wednesday's online Bible study. So tune in for that. But what about these? I'm sorry. Or I forgive you. These are powerful. Arguably as powerful as love. And do you know why that is? It's because these statements are an act of love. Maybe not the romantic kind of love that we so quickly presume, but rather they're an expression of the type of love that God has for us. The same type of love that he calls us to show towards one another. So what are the three words that changed everything? I'm going to share three possible options with you with a little bit of rationale, and I'm going to let you decide. First is this, Christ has come. Those two words, Christ has come. Jesus is the greatest gift the world has ever known. From Luke 1, verses 26 through 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be the great, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's an impact. What about from Joseph's perspective? Matthew 1, 18 through 21. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What an impact those three words, Christ has come, has made. And this good news was shared by others as well. And you'll recognize this again from the Christmas story, Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, good joys, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And even this great man, John the Baptist, he had a testimony. This is from the book of John 1, verses 29 through 34. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptized with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Christ has come. Three words that changed everything. But what about these? It is finished. And as it's Easter, this is, this is probably what you thought I was going to say. It is finished. See, Jesus accomplished so much in his few years of teaching. And, of course, what was accomplished on the cross. And he is still working on your behalf today. The word tetelestai. It's a Greek word that does not have a direct English translation. But it's widely accepted to mean it is finished. What is unique about the word tetelestai is that it is a perfect verb. That means it is finished doesn't mean that it is done. Period. End of story, end of task. Rather, it's an action word that means it is continually finished over and over again, ongoing forever. So what on earth does that mean? It means that Jesus' work and God's purposes through Jesus were not done. It had been accomplished, and it continues to be accomplished. Not just forever, but also it is repeatedly accomplished. The past, now, and throughout future for all time Jesus's work God's purposes through Jesus are being accomplished and to understand those three words it is finished truly means to us we need to review what Jesus came to do in no order Jesus came to reveal the father from Matthew eleven twenty seven. all things have been committed to me by my father no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, Jesus led and he taught by example, and he still does. The recording of his life and teaching is still available to you today. Do you have one of these? Or if you've got a phone, then you do. You've got access to God's word and his teaching, and it's still available to you yet today. Jesus came to be a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His sacrifice, Jesus's sacrifice was for all people for all time. That truly is many people. Jesus came to serve Matthew 20, 28, just as the man, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. It was the lowliest job in the house to wash the feet. The lowliest servant, the, the lowest ranking person's job was to wash the feet because remember they walked around barefoot or in sandals and, and they did not have paved streets or just filthy feet. Yet Jesus led by serving in this simple, very humble way. On the night he was betrayed at the Last Supper, he stopped and he washed the feet of the disciples nearby him. And he continues to serve you as an advocate on your behalf with his father, your father, your heavenly father. He's still accomplishing that today. Jesus came to save the world, John three seventeen. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The sacrifice accomplished on the cross brings freedom to all who repent and believe. His accomplishment of freedom still holds true today. You are free still today because it was finished and it continues to be finished. Jesus came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, Luke 4, 43. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. See, we no longer need a high priest to disseminate what he thought we should know. Now we have a teacher that gives us the whole story so that we may truly know God. And Jesus' legacy is that we still have this relationship with the Father. You don't need to go through someone else for your training, for your answers, to, to even talk to God. You have a direct line to God that was established through the life and death of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus came to do the will of his Father, John 6, 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is to the extent that he gave up his own life. And we studied this last week when we, we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Lord, take this from me. Father, take this from me. But still, it's your will, not my will, that needs to be done here. We're still looking at what Jesus came to do that was accomplished, what he was referring to when he said, it is finished and is still being finished today. And one of those is, Jesus came to testify to the truth from John 18, 37. This is from the, the trial on, um, on Good Friday. He said, you are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We know that as God's word is revealed in scripture, that is the truth. Jesus came to die and to destroy Satan's power from Hebrews 2.14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. The ultimate example, he lived a life like ours, so that he could demonstrate that it is good and right, and even more importantly, it's possible to honor God with ourselves. We no longer need to fear death. Death has been defeated, has been overcome. We have an eternal life in heaven with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophecies from Matthew 5.17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, many of Jesus' teachings, including every major point of the Sermon on the Mount, begins with, you have heard it said. Jesus was a teacher of God's works and word, which includes the Old Testament scriptures. And, and he often quoted them himself as he taught. He didn't replace them with his new teachings or, or his own embellishment. He, he explained them and he, and he often gave through example and through parables. But the teachings were always the same. They were God's teachings and they still are today. And last, Jesus came to atone for our sins. He says, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. 
it takes a perfect sacrifice to connect an imperfect being like you and like me with a perfect one like God. What a powerful thing that he has accomplished. It is finished. It is finished. Three words that changed everything. But what about these this Easter morning? He has risen. Christ has risen. So let's review the story of resurrection from Scripture. This is from John 20, 1 through 18. It says, Early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with snooze. She said, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said, that he had said these things to her. And we find this account in Luke 24, 3 through 7. It says, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. There's those three words, he has risen. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Did you know that Jesus was seen again by many following his crucifixion and burial? In the Apostle Paul's letter of 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, he writes these words. He says, for, I received, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. He says, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. 
You see, the importance of Jesus rising from the grave isn't just the miracle resurrection, but also what it represents. The fulfillment of the prophecy about the Messiah, it proves that he is who he says he was. He is who his followers of the time believed him to be and who we, his modern disciples, who we know him to be. Overcoming the grave and returning to life proves his sovereign power over death itself. Powerful three words, Christ has risen. From 2 Timothy 1, verse 10. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And again from Hebrews 2, 14-15. Since the children of flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We no longer need to fear death because Christ is risen. Three words that changed everything. And last from John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So what do you think? Which of the three words were powerful enough to change everything? Christ has come, it is finished, or Christ has risen? The truth is that it is all of these and is rolled into a single statement that God says, and he says, you are loved. You are loved unconditionally, irrevocably, and eternally. And this is captured so perfectly in the familiar words of John 3, 16 through 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So let me paraphrase that and expand on it for you. For God so loves the world You are loved. That he gave his only son. Christ has come. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. It is finished. Through him, because he has risen. You, my friends, are loved. And that is what changed everything. Let's pray. Father God, on this day, this Resurrection Sunday that the world knows as Easter, let us never forget the power and the meaning of this day. We love Christmas. We love what it represents and the fact that your son has come. But what makes Christmas so powerful, so miraculous, and so life-changing is what happened today. That, That baby that came into this world Conceived by the Holy Spirit itself. Raised to, to be a young man, a, a teacher with a very short, short period of teaching. So influenced the world for not only generations but for an eternity. That here we are 2,000 years later. Worshipping and studying and praying to this man. 
who taught us the way to you. God, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, that Christ has come. We thank you for all that he accomplished and continues to accomplish in our names, in our sake, and for our sake, and, and, and for our blessing, even to this day, in the future. And God, we thank you for the sacrifice. With genuine repentance, we, we apologize for all the sins that got nailed to the cross with him. But we thank you that they are washed away, clean, forever. Lord, as we go forward from this day, meeting in a little bit of a different way, certainly a different way than we would want to meet on a holiday such as this, Lord, stir within us the desire to continue to learn about Jesus and his life and his teachings and his sacrifice and, and what he came to accomplish. Lord, we ask that we're all changed for the better for what we've heard today and what we know to be true. We give this service, we give this day, we give our lives to you. Amen.